Welcome back. This is I Am a Jenny Ketchum podcast, and I am hot right now. Hot levels, hot on the microphone is what I'm meaning to say, so I'm going to sort that out. Uh, more information than this podcast needed to start. Anyway, welcome back. I am a Jenny Ketchum podcast. I am super excited today because I am here with one of the people that I am most obsessed with in this life. Basically, there there is this hierarchy of people in my life where it's like husband and baby are at the top and then uh, like family members and this person falls into the family members category even though he doesn't technically um, like we don't share blood or anything but I feel kind of like we share souls and I don't know if I, I don't Danny Felsenfeld why why are you my soul brother sharing person I don't know. I, I don't know, but I think I feel that the feeling is absolutely mutual. Aww. You're the I best. I mean, we, we met in a, in a we met in a very particular, peculiar, like really nobody else has this story kind of way. Um, and I just I have <laughs> been kind of crazy about you ever since, and that was you know seven eight years ago, I think. Fuck! Isn't that crazy? Like it so. So when we first met, Jeff and I were actually, technically we were squatting. So we were staying in his brother's condo and his brother had quit paying the bank money and uh, we moved in. It was 408 square feet and, oh no, no, oh my God, no. First time I talked to you was when we were in LA. Is that? Yeah, you lived in LA. Oh my God. We talked, but then we moved up soon thereafter because I just, I think about, and you know what I think it was, is I think that the longest conversation, so that we had a conversation at some point, and it really stuck with me, and I just remember, I think about being on the balcony in our South Lake Union squatters condo, and thinking to myself, like, this is a person that I don't ever want to leave my life. Well, you're going to have to work pretty hard to get me out. So I, I think uh, you're more secure there. Aw, thanks, Danny. So a little bit about Danny. Danny is an incredible composer, and he and I worked together. Um, I I wrote some lyrics for an operetta that he uh, created with his most brilliant mind and heart, and uh, he set those lyrics to music and um, and. And from there, it just sort of, I mean, there was like a blossoming that happened, I think, much before that. But tell me, tell me the story. <laughs> tell me how we fell in love with each other, Danny. Well, okay, so we, we met um, in a very peculiar way. Because I, I had written, um, I wrote this one woman opera, it's called a monodrama, when it's just one singer. And I written two thirds of it, and I was casting around for the third part of it. And the first two-thirds of it were, um, one of them was uh, Nora from Ibsen's A Doll's House, uh, who, like, I always wonder what happened to her after she slams the door. Um, it's it's proto-feminist. It's very early feminism, um, uh, you know, where a woman could actually leave her family. And then there's the second act was, was um, Alice, uh, as in Wonderland, but she is um, stuck in Wonderland and she's menopausal. Um, and so I, I, so the first one is just terrifying, and the second one is zany. And I wanted something, and I said it has to be um, up to the minute. It can't be a Victorian character. I'd like it to be a real person. I'd like it to be written by a woman because I was only 
been on that job. Um, and I would like it to be sexy, but not sexual. Mm. And I had this very specific criteria for mm. what I wanted Act 3 to be. Mm-hmm. And then I read a review of your book. And I was like, oh my God, wait, I remember her. And that, wow, this book looks amazing. So I bought your book. And I remember being so broke that I had to like save up money to buy your book. I want you to know that I like put dollars aside here did and there to buy your book. <clears throat> I did. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of felt like I was doing something extra naughty by just buying your book because we really didn't have the money for it. But I'm like, you know, I really have to read this. Um, Danny, you could have bought it for like three reading. bucks on Amazon. I mean, I... Uh, yeah, but where's the sport in that? I know. You're, you and your fucking ethics. You're just, you're just a good human with an ethical I, framework. I, I, I also still like to go into a bookstore and buy a book. It's my favorite thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I went into a bookstore and I bought your book with my, you know, sequestered couch money and, um, and read it, thought it was brilliant, and wrote to your agent. And that's how I met you. Mm-hmm. But how I think we fell in love is, uh, and I remember this because I was standing uh, at... Lincoln Center in New York City. And you and I were supposed to talk about something. And I just found out some pretty rough news about a family member of mine having a problem with some addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I was ill-equipped to handle this. And you happened to call, or we, we'd scheduled to call. We happened to talk on the phone. And I said, oh, my God, wait. <laughs> you know about rehab <laughs> and addiction? You were, like, I think you were on Celebrity Rehab. I just read your book. Like... Um, could I ask you a bunch of questions? And you were so clear and real and honest and amazing. And, you know, I, I think, I, I, I wondered if I was falling for a cliche of like, you know, the, the sex worker who's no longer a sex worker and has now got just ravishing amounts of insight. <laughs> but shit, I was right about that. If that's a cliche, you, the, the cliche is because of people like you. Um, who actually had the insight and you, you helped me through this and became like a kind of a de facto sponsor for a bit Mm. unsanctioned, but I just needed the help and you were there for the help. That means the world to me, Danny. I mean, like, like in a way that like very few humans are, you know, so that's, that's how that, and I was like, Oh my God, this girl is, I mean, I, I really liked you, and I really thought you were smart, and we had some really funny and interesting conversations on the phone. Um, and, and, and I knew I was going to have to kind of... I knew I came from a very different world than you. Mm-hmm. Um, because I write operas. I come from a different world than fucking everybody. Yeah, um, indeed. And it's, it's, a very, it's a very confusing thing to explain. Um, it takes a lot of over-explanation, and sometimes you feel like you're pandering, but then people actually don't know much about it. And... You know, I had this fear, like, I, you know, I, you didn't, I, I could tell you you were kind of keeping me a little bit of arm's length for the first two conversations, which was reasonable and to be expected. And having just read your book, I didn't see why you wouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, because that book was, I have to say, I, I don't know if I could read it again, knowing you as well as I do now. Yeah. I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could read it. Yeah, I mean, I remember you telling me that, that Jeff was having trouble reading it or hadn't really read it. Oh, he didn't read and it at like, all. I was like, well, shit, if I was, marrying, if I was marrying you, I wouldn't want to read this. It's somebody having a really hard time. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, he didn't. He yeah, didn't we all it. know it works. His mom I'm read sorry. it. No, his his mom read it. Hi, Susan. I <laughs> love you. <laughs> but but he, he didn't. I mean, it. I mean, so the piece you wrote for me was was not. I mean, I thought, okay, I'm just going to have her pick some bits of her book mm-hmm. and write. Just like you know, sort of curate more than write. And you actually did not do that. You wrote me something really, really powerful and beautiful. Um, that was that was really like it, it, uh, the, the words you wrote are incredible, and it's 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 thing it's it's a it's a difficult piece to pull off because um, the the words are raw, but there is nothing sexy about it. Mm-hmm. Like the words are just blunt and extremely you know conscious of how bodies work and especially female bodies mm-hmm. but but if you if you if you want to play it up for like campiness or sexiness it's just not there mm-hmm. and i thought that was like you you did that thing where i asked you for something and you gave me the thing i didn't know that i really wanted it's um it's interesting i, I had a conversation with uh the person who's going to be my new supervisor today and we were talking about how in session with people and in in therapy there's <clears throat> there's there's the stuff that people want to talk about there's the stuff that people are willing and come in thinking they want to talk about and sometimes it turns into this like rumination cycle where it's like the same story over and over and over and um and and the reason that we build rapport with people this is his words not mine um he said that the reason we build rapport with people is so that um we can talk about the things that we don't want to talk about and and that at some point um, the person feels comfortable enough to not necessarily to talk about the things that they don't want to talk about, but that you know each other well enough and you know them well enough to say like, hey, I think there's this thing that uh, you don't want to talk about. And I think I, th- I think that, um, you know, I think back on, on the early budding of our relationship and I think so much of it was... Um, I I just couldn't see why you would want anything to do with me. Like, I just well, didn't fucking get I, it. Oh, this has to be well, that was, a that joke. Was, that was my fear. That was my absolute fear. And I, like, look, I had, I had, I remember we were in Chicago together. Yeah. And um and um Emily Cox had just sang the whole of She After, which is a brutal thing to sing, and she did really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a talk back afterward, and I I didn't. I didn't understand something about about meeting you because I thought, I bet this girl is afraid I'm just trying to hit on her. Mm. Which seemed ludicrous because I'm like, there's just easier ways than writing a whole opera with somebody. Like, that, like, that seems like, if, you're, if that's your intent, you're really going about it in a cumbrous um, kind of way. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, I, and I wasn't, and you're happily married, blah, blah, blah. That, wasn't, that was certainly not my intent, but how would you know that? Yeah, of course. But that wasn't what you were afraid of. But no. you said that really bluntly to me, too. You were afraid. Do you remember what you said? I don't remember exactly what I said. You said you were afraid I was going to try to humiliate you. That sounds right. That, that fits. Which had never crossed my mind, obviously, because I think that, I, like, from your book, I'm like, this is a super smart and really funny and really interesting person and even your persona in your previous career was that too yeah but you know, so much was, so much was, so much of it is just this like uh not not good enough voice right that like like oh 
uh, I'll be good enough when I do this. I'll be good enough when I do this. And then, and then when some real opportunity with some, like with, with grit and teeth in it presents itself, it's just when an opportunity that is too good to be true and good in terms of like objective measures of like, uh, person A approaches person B to write operetta, person B has no experience writing operetta, person B just retired from sex industry. <laughs> like, it was just like this, this is this, this just doesn't add up. Um, and so it, I think more than anything, it just kicked that like not good enough voice into fucking hyperdrive. And I was like, oh, definitely not good enough to do this. Like there, this guy's for sure the jury duty scam, like absolutely going like this is this is not legit i mean i think sometimes uh i work against um what what would probably be a, a pretty easy to come by cliche like most cliches and the, the, the kind of elitist cliche of my occupation of you know being a, you know a high art that that deals with you know whatever and really opera is just a kind of a it's always been kind of a, a low emotional grab, or at best, it's kind of a, it's kind of a really deep, loud, and kind of cavernous look at how, how human emotions interact. But I, how would you know that if you're not an opera fan? Like, yeah. if you're an opera fan, it's like you've been to the opera six, seven times. You still wouldn't know that because you've probably been to like a big fancy place and worn a nice dress and watched, you know, people die of tuberculosis or mm-hmm. or get killed as a by a bullfighter or whatever mm-hmm. and it's not those cliches don't do me any favors mm-hmm. and i frankly wondered if you were going to think this project was worth your time hmm. isn't like that why so would funny? she do that she's got she... the, the, like, oh, the, on, isn't that so funny that like the thing that like most connects us is this like like terrified fear of like not being good enough for each other like that's that is yeah that's yeah that's the baseline. That's what makes us like so alike. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a kid who never figured things out from Southern California. You know what I mean? Like, we're we're, we're at root, we're kind of the same. We have the same pedigree to mm-hmm. a certain extent. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I just ch- chose a different path. And I, when I was reading your book, I was like. Like I know that nobody would want me in porn, and I know that like that this is not that, you know these were these were options that were like oddly not available to me. Um, but even I so, don't like, know. You know this is not a, I disagree. Okay. I, I hate to step on you, but I, I disagree. I think that's that you is disagree? yeah. I disagree. I think that is the the appealing thing about porn is that uh, have camera, have dick, will shoot. You know, and like that. Fair enough. Yeah, you know, it's it is it is probably the most. I mean, it's definitely there's some. I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago. There's the Mean Girls um, attitude about it, but uh, there's everybody is welcome as long as, especially now in like the content age. Anyway, I did just to say if that is a decision that you had made at that point in your life, you could have been a porn star yeah. for sure. But I think you have too much heart. And I think, I mean, not that porn stars don't have hearts, but I think you, I think you love too deeply. And I think that you see, um, I think, I think that there is such richness in your sight. I think it would have fucked you up. 
pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, as as it almost managed to do to you. Yeah, totally, totally. You know, as as like you, you. I mean, look, you. It's amazing how you have how your attitude about things because you know you you. We talked a lot about um, about your your time in that in that because I was writing about it. I mean, you, you know, mm-hmm. my the, the piece we wrote together, which is uh, called "When She Was Her," in my head was like you know somebody looking themselves in the mirror before they were going to go do what they thought was going to be their last shoot mm-hmm. on a set. And so there's Jenny getting ready and, and talking about, you know, her life thus far. Um, and every time it's been done, that it, 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 it's usually people's favorite um, segment of the three. I'm sorry, somebody's apparently texting me. Yeah. Um, it, it's, uh, it's people's favorite segment of the three because it is the most, like, gutting and real and honest and and yet i hear you talk about it now and you're so on the other side of it that you you actually are able to talk about how you liked being in porn how you fun it was at mm-hmm. certain points mm-hmm. and I, I, that that was actually from i learned this from your podcast and it's funny to learn something from your podcast <laughs> when i feel like i know you quite well like mm-hmm. we text a lot mm-hmm. and we talk on the phone as often as we can and we see each other when we when we are in the same city mm-hmm. um and we've had some long, important conversations, and yet this it was kind of—it's kind of amazing to learn so much about you from your from your podcast. Thank um, you. And I like one of the things I thought was I didn't know you you I didn't know you could get to the point where you could look back on it and say that was good. Oh yeah, yeah. It's I mean, amazing. I, I, yeah. It's, it's a testament to you. I, I think it's certainly a testament to like. Um, people so there's there's this saying that I've, I've really been struggling with lately this idea that like hindsight is 2020 right that like as we look back on our years we're supposed to have like correct vision as if as if time doesn't warp things as if um as if now that we are outside of it we can see it for what it really was and um and and i think something that happens in looking back for so many of us, um, the same thing happens when we look forward, I think, is, is that we have this, like, in, in act, it's like this conceptualized self, right? Like, we have, we cherry pick these facts, and then that's, that's the story, that's the narrative that we build, and I, I find that, like, if I focus on, like, the shitty things that happen in porn, right? If I, if I focus on, like, the um the times I felt degraded at work or the times I felt um like I wasn't being heard or like I wasn't being whatever it is that I'm choosing to focus on like uh, it's not a complete picture and it's certainly not a complete picture enough to to allow me to keep doing what I was doing at that time right like the the time where it became problematic is is right when I stopped doing it and when I stopped using drugs. That's when doing it became problematic. Right. So it's like I think if I look back and I'm I'm selective in what I see, then um, then I might be more inclined to say like, oh, that, that was a terrible experience. And oh, you remember when I got that STD? You remember you know when this um, this guy hit me too hard or whatever, right? But but if but if I look back and I think, um, wow, I, I did this thing for eight years. I I saw the world and um, that there must have been enough rewarding things in in it that I kept going back. 
uh, there was, there was some sort of reinforcement schedule that was happening aside from the money and the oxytocin. There was some, there was some satisfaction, some fulfillment that I got, even if it was like a big fish, small pond type of thing. There was enough where I kept doing it and it, it was good for what it was. Um, that's not to say that I want to do it again. Um, but, but it is sort of question like this idea of like hindsight, right? Like I also, I also know that it was not particularly great for my mental health and that it was not particularly kind to my body and I was not particularly kind to my body. Um, and so if I factor those things in, then my perspective of what it was at the time starts to shift. But what it was at the time was just what it was at the time. I, I don't know that it's particularly helpful of of my brain to look back and be like, Oh, this, this collective experience was, was bad or, or good. It was, it was just you know, the experience, you know, this, this is this, you know, I, I can list, you know, I could go on and bore you and me and your audience um, with the just shocking amounts of things I admire about you. Um, but probably at the top of the list is this, is that you're even saying this because like I, just you know, like I when I, I was at a carnival when I was probably six, mm. like I remember this really well, and I like there was a I was trying to catch a goldfish in a net, and the goldfish got caught in the net, but like his fin got kind of caught in like between the net and the plastic, and mm. I pulled the goldfish off, and I felt the fin come off, mm. and I watched this goldfish like race away in pain, and I think I've thought about that every day mm. since I did that, and I was six. Like I still, and like that's just a thing. I have a lot of things in my in like that I I have trouble getting past. Like, what do you tell yourself about that six year old? Like, what is the story that your brain has? Well, the story is is that I really hurt this fish, and it doesn't matter that I didn't know, and it doesn't matter that I was little. It doesn't matter. Like, it's not like I enjoyed it. It's not like I'm like, oh my god, I might be a sociopath because I hurt this fucking fish in like 1976. Yeah. Um, but. I do think about that fish a lot, and that's not the only thing I think about. That's just an example. So the fact that you can like look back on what what many people would see as like a, a a just devastatingly complicated wrong turn at best, mm-hmm. and have a like, kind of a gimlet eye about it is really admirable. I gotta get there. <laughs> I mean, know? yeah, I, th- I think I think noticing that like the fish returns is that first step in getting there, right? Like what I'm curious, um, type of relationship do you have with goldfish today? I don't have a specific relationship with goldfish. I don't have any goldfish. Okay. So you're not, you don't regularly rip fins. Like you're still not, you're not, this is not an action that you have continued on doing. That's the worst thing I did as a kid that I can remember. Yeah. That's the worst yeah, I was never one of those violent boys that like to like put M80s up the ass of a cat. I just never did that kind of thing. What What you do know, you I think? think I, fri- s- I think I fried a few ants with a magnifying glass. Yeah, t- typical. And I think that's more of like a science experiment. Like, holy shit, look what yes, the sun exactly. does, right? What What <laughs> do you think? If you think about like six year old you, what do you think six year old you like needed at that time? Like pull pulls. So you're at you're at the carnival, 
you see him, he's stuck. What are you trying to do? You're trying to help I'm the fish? I'm actually trying to get the fish. I'm, the fish, I'm trying to help the fish. Yeah. And then it goes terribly wrong. It doesn't even go terribly wrong. It goes medium wrong. basically fine. <laughs> it, goes, it goes something. It goes, but I've found, but I've told you, I could still feel, I can still have this, like, feeling of the ripping of the flesh of the fish. And I, I don't want to harp on this fish and take up the whole podcast with this fucking fish but like um it it I, i'm just saying like if you can look back on i don't know how long you were in the industry a decade yeah if you can look back on that on that particular decade which is i'm sure it's made your life complicated and i'm sure it's made people interactions with you complicated indeed you know um i watched you on live instagram and i watched you really gracefully handle somebody calling you by your previous name oh wasn't that funny people are so funny yeah I'm sure, and I'm sure you must get shit like that way more than I can even imagine. Yeah, you know? they just don't know. I made the mistake of when I was looking into you. I made the mistake of like reading comments in an in in appearance you had had on a talk show. Oh yeah, no, don't read the comments. You gotta you, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you believe one, you gotta believe them all, right? And it's, uh, a drop of poison ruins the whole punch bowl. But this yeah. fish yeah, yeah. keeps coming back to you. It's not just the fish. I just wanted to use like the most extreme and basically innocent example. But I love of it. How like I managed to, I, I managed to keep, I managed to keep everything I've ever done wrong and like very vivid. But is that and, is that and, you, know, you and, that's doing that? Yeah. Is that? Yeah. Is Who it, the hell else is doing that? What, but I'm I'm curious. Like, is is the memory of that fish? Is that you? Is the memory? Probably. You are your memories? Yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't know. It's uh, Maybe it's a little too neat. I don't know. I mean, maybe I just feel bad about the fish and the visceral sound, and it was maybe the first time I realized that I could cause pain. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's a big you know, day. It was, like, it, was a, it was a moment of, like, an understanding of a small amount of power and I, and, and, and the far worse things have happened to me than this fish. But like, I just, it's, I, I bring it up, but it's not even a story I tell that often, frankly. See, you're a great therapist. You need to talk about the things you don't want to talk about, like, like fish abuse. The, the... Well, but, but can I tell you why I'm a terrible therapy patient? Tell me why, Danny. I'm the worst because I know enough about it to just be kind of an asshole. Yeah. Um, like I know enough about the process to to uh, to to feel like I know the process, mm. and I know, you know, and to have like a like well a slightly informed like you know how like I'm like the guy who's taking like a philosophy class, you know. Yeah. And you've met those guys, and someone wants to debate all the issues. Oh yeah, like the psych um, 101 and, armchair and, psychologist. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I think I'm like two ticks above that, but not by much. You're psych, you're like psych I have 301. I'm taking more than 101. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like psych 301. <laughs> but also, I, I like to make people laugh. I'm a, I'm a charming fellow, I've been told. What's the and, function um, of that, though? Well I, well, I don't know, but I get in, like, every time I get into therapy, every therapist is always like, stop trying to, stop trying to, like, one of my therapists said, stop speaking in complete paragraphs, please. <laughs> And she's like, because I can tell you are thinking about this and you are placing these words, and I don't want you to place these words because yeah. that doesn't help anybody. 
And I'm like, well, another thing, let me explain to you, if I may, and I quote, like, I just, I do get into this kind of, you know, my wife Elizabeth would call it like my high Churchill mode. Mm. Um, and I do. And in therapy, I'm kind of bad. I, I'm like, well, somebody's, t- I have, I have the audience and I must speak clearly and to the point and mm. with alacrity. Lots of thinking. You know, and the fact that I even use words like fucking alacrity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, so language is particularly sticky for you and in, in that you use it to do what? I use, wait, ask a question. I'm sorry. What's that question? Like you're using language in a way that functions to do what? Like, what are you, do, what are you doing in these sessions with, with your languaging? I say express myself, but I'm doing those horrible air quotes with my fingers around the word express. I can totally see you doing it. I can, <laughs> I can envision you doing it just like I can envision the fish, the pluck. <laughs> there's, there's something though that like, I think the, that it's, it's sidestepping the, all of the, all of the talking, all of the languaging. There's something that like is so be, and you're so, so articulate and you're so, I was so excited to have you on the podcast specifically because like your way with words is just, it is profound. And I, I find um, whether it's obsessively stalking you and the way you talk about your daughter on Facebook, like, or, or just like in the world, I, there is this richness that comes from our conversations and from our interactions. And so much of that I think is tied to the way that you view and then talk about the world. And I'm wondering, like, is, is language and your like cognitive gymnastics functioning to do something when you're in therapy other than just like express yourself? Well, I, I, you know, I've thought about that a lot because like, I mean, you know, we look, we speak all the time. We text all the time. We as a culture, Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. We're constantly using language and the language has become this like thing that can be elevated and also this thing that can be like get the fuck out of my way or please pick up some toilet paper at the drugstore you know like mm-hmm. um like it could be a very dull meaningless thing i mean everybody few people text in complete paragraphs i even i don't yeah you know um like i i get a little like less fussy about punctuation when i'm texting than, than i feel even comfortable being but i, I don't know it's i i think about you know i want to uh, my daughter you've met lots of times. I love um, her so much. She's an awesome kid, right? Yeah, she is. And in our darker moments, and she's so smart and she's so articulate and she's just one of the funniest people I've ever met. Like, she just, like, like, I know everybody thinks their kid is awesome, but, like, she really does delight in making people laugh, which Mm -hmm. is a a rare quality. Mm -hmm. Like, it takes somebody who's actually paying attention to other people to want to make people laugh. Um, and, and, but she's not, she's not the quite the avid reader, either Elizabeth or myself were, mm-hmm. um, she just doesn't read like we did. I mean, she reads a lot, but she's really into reading comic books and we have to kind of talk her into sort of more sophisticated material and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and we, I don't want to get like, oh, well, we don't think she's smart because she is very smart. Yeah. She's just not a reader like we were. And then it dawned on me that the reason I read so much um, and it's also the reason I write music is um, because, you know, you can escape into a world where everything is ordered and beautiful if you read. Ah. 
you know like that's what that's what excellent prose is is like somebody's managed to figure you out but they've done it in a beautifully wrought paragraph mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. you know I, I i read a quote when i was in high school by richard strauss that made me want to be a composer mm-hmm. where he basically said like he wanted to sort of oversee a world of beauty mm-hmm. and i thought I, I'm, I me too man yeah richard <laughs> me the fuck too i would like to oversee a world of beauty so music and words and they're not they're to me they're not unrelated things they're like they're deeply deeply entrenched things um and yet they're and, your, they're uh, your escape hatch yeah well yeah they're absolutely an escape hatch. but it's not like oh i need to disappear it's more like i need to exit and leave the the premises and go to a totally other place sure but what are you trying to escape like you're in therapy uh s- something has arisen and and you go into like the most beautiful prose so so there like there's the flag Danny is escaping he is using his escape hatch and leaving the building but he's still in the building in his body like what are you escaping well therapy's really hard right but like what is the thing that you're like you have to talk about really difficult things and I know that like but it's not the talking that's hard for you you're good at the talking part you're too fucking good at the talking part no, here's the thing. The talking is really hard for me. It's it's a, like that's why I go into a mode that is much easier because the talking is the hardest part. Really? You know? Yeah. Because I feel like if I'm going to speak like really honestly, you're going to really you know, it's that imposter syndrome thing yeah. or like you're going to realize that I'm like I'm just kind of a wasteoid from Southern California. Yeah. Who rips fins off of fishes? Yeah, who's, who's, like, murdered a fish a long time ago, probably. That sounds really painful. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and, I mean, I think it's, like, look, I know talking the way I talk and doing what I do and and this kind of, whatever you call it, it, it's not, it's not an easy thing. I've worked very hard to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of it is a little showing off. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, you know of course. I mean? Like if you got if you got it flaunted, right? totally. Um, um, but you know, and part of it is um, like that kind of talking is is sort of a, an easy place because it's like it's very well crafted and well honed, and um, and it is it, it is a it is a cover for what I actually feel like I might be, which is maybe I don't know a little stupid, like. Like a just a kid from Southern California who's, who's outgrown himself or gotten too big for his britches or, you know, probably should have stayed home and been a middle manager somewhere. Mm. There's there's this like really it sounds like there's this like really sticky narrative, this really sticky story that's going on that's like keeping something inside of you stuck. Like there's yeah. like a, there's like a stickiness. You can tamp it down. Yeah. Talk over it. Yeah. You know. Not loud yeah, I'm enough good at though. Talking over myself. Yeah, but it doesn't go away. No, of course not. I know that. I really, I even know that as I'm doing it, I'm like, wow, you shouldn't be speaking in the high church mode. You should actually be talking about what you need to discuss here, which sometimes comes out a little stupid or makes me look a little dumb or occasionally makes me look not so nice 
or, you know, and I'm not talking about like, you know, pulling the fin off the fish knife. I'm talking about like, you know, we've all done things we're not proud of. We've all done things we regret. Sure. Um, but what if those are um, just a bunch of stories you know, too? Yeah. I know. Believe me, you're the person I always call when I get into this particular mode and you are always, you know, you always are so clear eyed and, and, um, honest about things. I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I find myself sort of curious about how effective the prose is to help you avoid the painful story because I, th- I think as soon as, as soon as you have to go into prose to avoid the painful story, the painful story is already, it's already there. So you're not actually sure. avoiding anything, sure. right? No, I'm probably just wasting money at a therapist. I'm like not there. I'm not there talking about the thing I need to be talking about. But you know? what if or you like, don't need to be talking whole... about anything? Oh well, that's complicated. <laughs> then what am I? Then what the fuck am I supposed to do? Just sit there, feel things. Come on, fuck. That sounds <laughs> terrible, Jenny. <laughs> what's now? What? What's next? Get pro- progress and. Well, happiness and you know Ugh. fixing the stuff overseeing the plank out of my own eye before I can you know take the board out of my you know whatever but what's the you gotta take the sty out of your own eye before you can take the board out of your brother that's from the bible oh god um, yeah no I'm not gonna you got me quoting the that. bible here on this show I know that's, that's how it's this is taking a pretty wild turn Danny <laughs> 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 who knew I'd be the one to start quoting the bible on your show I mean really I never would have seen that coming but that said, wow. again, like so articulate, you you your brain is just it's so juicy, Danny. You have a juicy, delicious brain, and I think it gets in the way of that beautiful heart of yours. Constantly, I I, I even know that. I like this, none of this comes as a surprise. Yeah. You, I think you've even said this to me before in I almost no this doubt. exact way. Yeah, probably. <laughs> sounds like this sounds like something I would like, say. Well, it's a, yeah, yeah, obviously, because you just did it. We have, we have it on record now. <laughs> we can refer back to this at any point in the future. <laughs> Either of us have doubts. <laughs> um, you know. By the way, I remember you talking about uh, wanting to bring your husband on. Yes. Well, you should, because your husband is awesome. Yeah, um, we, we just did one. One of the few, one of the few men I really, really like. Oh, I wish I knew him better. I love um, him. Um, yeah, he's a terrific. He's a terrific, rock solid, great guy. Um, and you were to talk about being a father, and it's weird because that's a thing almost nobody. Like I, I know, there's a lot of people who kind of talk about their kids, but talking about being a father. Mm-hmm. It's such a, it's such a, I wouldn't, the word taboo is the one I'm reaching for, but it's not. But there's something like, there's an omerta about it in the culture. Yeah. To talk about being a father, because like, it's really a weird thing to do. Um, And and like, it's like, and the reason I'm even saying it now is that it's, it stirs like, it stirs up every shit storm. Like motherhood does too, obviously, but we're kind of, we're, we're our, we are at least culturally accustomed to that. It's the one place where women are kind of like, 
the superior and allowed to have their say. Yeah, like, this is my domain. Mommy blog. Yeah, but parent parent is is being the province of the of the mother, sort of most stereotypically. Uh, you get those stories a lot of the time, and not enough, and not in enough depth. And there's certainly, I mean, you know, my wife wrote a wrote an article about miscarriage and postpartum anxiety, which mm. what helped a lot of people because mm-hmm. not a lot of people talk about that. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. And she's, we're very public about it. She, we made choices to like be very open about it. But like being a father mm-hmm. is fucking weird, especially of a girl. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I'm dying to have a conversation with Jeff about it now that he's he's in the midst of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm dying for you to think talk. You're a, people think and presume you are a fucking idiot. Like as a parent, it yeah. is like. Especially as a father, people just presume you are out of your depth, mm-hmm. stupid, unable, um, you know, and and like can't, don't know your ass from a hole in the ground, basically. And like you know, I remember when I, when Clara was born, I was trying to find books, like books to read her about a dad and a daughter, mm. and there there's there's almost none. Mm-hmm. You know this plenty of books about dads and sons. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of books about moms and kids and moms and daughters and moms and sons. And there's a few books where, oh, and the stipulation was, and dad isn't a moron. Mm-hmm. Like dad is actually a caring, reasonable, thoughtful human being. Mm-hmm. And there's like three. And I had to like, I had to special order them. You know, yeah. like I couldn't pick. And I walked into like every, you know, there's a, there's a I walked into, um, there's big children's bookstores with like authority, you know, and I went and I said, I'm looking for this. I went to Powell's books. I went to all these places and said, I'm looking for books about dads and daughters and all these people who were experts in children's books were completely stumped. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, what? Like, why doesn't this exist? Like, It just seems like a no brainer. Like, aren't there a lot of dads out there really curious about how their life is going to be? Totally. When they have a kid and totally, you know, but they're not allowed. You not guys aren't like allowed. How- you guys aren't allowed to be curious. You're not allowed to no, be afraid. You're not, not allowed to be like um, nervous about transition. You're not allowed to be sad. I mean, that's why. Like, there's there's studies that show that for so many men, depression actually shows up as anger instead of as like sadness yeah. and depression, right? Because like that's how mm-hmm. that's how you're allowed to express yourself, and so. Of course, like this, this transition that like, but everything changes. I mean, even Jeff talked a little bit about it, like, um, postpartum depression, like in men, that's not something that you guys are allowed to be, but that's sure as shit, something that happens. And like, I'm, I think one of the things that I am most fond of you, not necessarily for, but is, is getting to witness your relationship with. Clara with your daughter is just such a an amazing thing because the the depth of caring that you have for her and the the way that I get to witness you interact with her is it's unlike anything that I've been socialized to think is possible. It just it blows well, me out I mean, of the water. Honestly, honestly, me too, Jenny. Yeah. Like I and like like I'm I feel like I'm frequently flying without a net, or maybe I'm like. There's that fear of like, well, I just must be ordinary, or I must be stupid, or I must be a really bigger sucker than I can imagine, or like, 
God, if they only knew the songs I really liked, they would mm. really think I was kind of an idiot, or you know that that kind of feeling. But like, it, you know, it, it, she, you know, she. First of all, I have an amazing kid, but mm. I think I know everybody has an amazing kid if you ask them. Um, mm, not true. And, yeah, of some people are like, my kid her. is so shitty. <laughs> I've heard it. <laughs> That's true. I mean, like, you know, there, there's this like. You know, she's going on this camping trip, and a, a lot of parents, the kind of going parental, the going parental, um, you know, kind of reaction is if you want to have the kind of cliched reaction of like, oh my God, well, finally we'll get to sleep, maybe we'll get to have sex, mm-hmm. um, and you know, uh, oh, and I can't, I, you know, I don't want her to make him keep her, mm. and I'm, I'm dreading this camping trip because I like I don't like being away from her. Yeah. You know, Mike, and like, yeah, she drives me just as crazy as anybody else's kid. Sometimes I wish she'd go to bed earlier than she did, and you know, I don't sure. like making a third breakfast, and like, you know, like there's there's all these things I don't want to do, but like, it there's there's the parenting books don't really address me in a very particular way, mm-hmm. and again, you know, this is the one arena where men don't get provenance, um, and I don't think I'm in some kind of like it's not like it's a horrible oversight or some unlivable condition. I want to just make that clear. Um, but Lonely. it's a little annoying if you would like to try to do this right and there's not a lot of maps. Um, I imagine it's, and, it's very it, lonely. Well, this is kind of why I think I prefer the company of women to men because like I, I'm hoping to learn what, you know, by observation, what most I mean, I know so many extraordinary mothers, yourself included. Um, I, I want to know what it is that you know. <laughs> like, I want the, I want the insight. I want the, I want the scoop. I want the uh, emotional resonance uh, and capacities that you guys seem to have. At you know, the, the people I know seem to have naturally. But I think I don't. I don't know anything. Like, I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. Like, honestly, I think Elsie's been upstairs crying since since we started this podcast like I put her down in bed and then I came downstairs and I set it up and and Jeff I said can you make sure the baby goes to sleep if she starts crying and I, I legit think she's been crying up there and like I have no fucking idea what I'm doing right like we just moved her daycare I have no idea what I'm doing like I, we have no idea what I have no idea what I'm doing and I and I think Jeff has no idea what he's doing and I think we were both sort of equally clueless and like showing up together to be clueless together and 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 I like when I find myself spiraling and thinking, like, oh God, there has to be an answer. There has to be an answer. I get on these mommy blogs or these like, these like parenting websites, and there's either fifty million different answers, n- none of which uh, align with like what my experiences or, 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 and all of them have this way of like making my solution feel invalidating. And sometimes I find the like the flower, the the rose among all of these thorns, and I'm like, oh yep, find somebody. Who, who did something that was like somewhat near what I did and, and they probably know, but right. who are these fucking people, right? Like who, what the fuck is the internet? Who, who are these people and why have they all banded together to tell us that they have answers? Like since when, since when, like since fucking when have answers been available, right? And like since when has, has somebody known better what to do for you and for your daughter than you do. I mean, like, whatever. I'm not against vaccines, right? Like, let's get one thing, like, super clear. I'm into medicine and vaccines are, I'm fucking into that, right? Like, I right. trust my doctor knows and, like, 
I don't need to like know better than that. But, but in terms of like caring for them and like teaching them like what it means to be a human, like, fuck, I have no idea what it means to be a human. I am still trying to figure that out. And if that's the only thing that I impart to her that after like 36 years of being a human, you will still have no idea if you're doing it right. Then I think I'm, I think, I think that's a good marker, right? Like that is the only goal that I have set for myself is to like teach her that like after 36 years, she still wonders if she's good enough. She still wonders if like, if she's doing stuff right, then she's, she's, she's fine. She's a human. That's what that means is that like you're part of the tribe you you get to stay part of the the pack out in the savanna in the wild as long as you think that like yeah. you need to work a little bit harder to to be a part of this thing then you're in good shape kid you know and you're not alone you know because I, I think that's the other thing is that at some point like I and, and I went through this um I don't know probably um a month in it was like we had just found out that she had uh, lip tongue and cheek tie and <clears throat> I started thinking like fuck I should should have known like god I should have known I, you know and, and really like how, how the fuck am I supposed to know I've never had a baby I've never done any of this right like I have no idea what lip all I know is that she had shredded my nipples and, and that like that was an indicator something was wrong but I also don't have any baseline for like what nursing looks like so i have no idea that like you're not supposed to have shredded nipples and and then i get online and it's like there's so many different messages that are just handed down saying like if you're doing this you're doing it wrong if you're doing this you're doing it wrong if you're doing this you're doing it wrong and it's like well she's still fucking alive so that's really all i'm going for like if she's alive oh yeah then that's good local stage where like we got into bed every morning yeah totally (laughs) that's all that's all you can. That's all you can. Admit. I, by the way, let me just be clear. I'm not saying that like because you're a woman, you know what you're doing. No, and I don't hear that. But I'm, there, there I'm are saying... more resources for women to convince us that we know what we're doing, and and it's it's resources and like this like mm, mommyhood that can convince men that they don't know what they're doing. And I'm yeah. That's that. Maybe that's what I'm saying. And it's, and it is like I even feel weird talking about it because I don't want to. I don't want somebody. I don't want anybody thinking, "Well, poor man who has ever had every systemic advantage." Um, why are you crying about this? And I'm not crying. I no. just wish that, like I, you know, like as much as you have a mommy group, I, I, I wasn't exactly wishing for a daddy group, but I was wishing for a community yeah. rather than feeling like I was sort of on the outside of, of even my own family. Yeah, you know, yeah. like my job was to kind of go away and, and come back at the end of the day and want dinner. Yep. That was sort of my atavistic job. Yep. And that's not my way, yeah. and that's not what how we have worked things out. And I, I know very few couples who actually do do that. Um, but that's that's just one person's responsibility. Um, but you know, hormonally, I suppose, or at least culturally, in the received way, um, I, I, I you know, there's just there's so much to being a father that goes unspoken and unanswered mm-hmm. and and like there's no like you know i like I, I you know elizabeth first of all she has such a mom's group that's so great that she wrote a book about it mm-hmm. um that she wrote this book the mommy group which is an important i think a super important book about you know when you live like not where you grew up and around all of your family like mm-hmm. a lot of people 
people do. How do you how do you do this yeah. without the benefit of like grandpa living down the road or mm-hmm. grandma giving you all the advice you need? You have to form your own community. Mm-hmm. And I know this is on me in a way too, and it's just never. It's always been something I feel like I was doing outside of the mommy group because I'm obviously not part of the mommy group. I mean, there's no daddy group, mm-hmm. um, and 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 you know, and and it just it's very tricky. And like I want to make sure it's like the one thing I really would really like to do right. Yeah, you know, and I've learned a lot. And like, look, I'm I'm a little further down this journey than you are, um, just because my kid is older. Um, so I've had some more years to like straighten this out and she also can like, you know, do a lot of things on her own, which is, believe me, it's a, it's a help. Yeah. Um, you know, like I don't have to worry. I worry less about keeping her alive and more about like, you know, teaching her how to be. Totally. And that's a, that's, that's a marvelous, marvelous transition. Like it's like, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Like, and you know, I, I, I made a lot of vows when I, when she was born. I made a lot of really important vows to me that I wasn't going to like resort to the to the dad cliches because they're bad. Like, I, I the gun. You know, when we found out it was a girl, I'm like, I'm not going to joke about shooting her boyfriend because mm-hmm. that seemed like a really bad joke. Mm-hmm. That's not about like, oh, I'm not going to make puns because once you're a dad, you can make puns. You're just you're you've lost your something. Um, you know, you're into dad humor, and then it's just a, it's a, it's a slope. downhill. It's a slope. <laughs> yeah, for oh sure. Oh my god, that slope is so slippery. Um, but more of like, you know, I wasn't going to like resent the fact that she was aging. Yeah. I intend not to resent the fact that she's going through puberty. Yeah, yeah. I tend not to like not want to not know about certain things. Like if she gets her period or her breasts start to grow or she needs a bra, like I want to be involved in that, yeah. and not to the level where she's uncomfortable, but. Sure. Like, I want to not off, I don't want to outsource that. I don't think that's not my responsibility. Yeah. You know, just because I don't have the parts doesn't mean I don't have the capacity to, like, you know, hold her hand through whatever she needs to have her hand out through and, like, look up some fucking answers and, like, you know, like, you know, bras are complicated, but they're not that complicated. Why don't you write the book about it, Danny? I don't know. I mean... I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a writer for, for, for starters. Um, um, not, like, like in the way that you are or the way Elizabeth is. I think the, the only difference is that we, we write down what on paper, you, you say all the words, like all the, the only difference is that like <laughs> that we have, we have moved the words onto a paper and you are fully capable of putting things on paper as evidenced by, you know, your entire career. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, like, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's not the worst idea. But it's just, it's very, it's very, um, I, I don't know. What gets, I mean, I, what gets in the like, way? I'm falling victim to the Omerta, too, where I'm like, well, we can't really talk about this, and nobody wants to buy that book anyway. Yeah, but you would have bought that book. I would have bought that book for Jeff. I would buy the fuck out of that book if it existed now. Yeah. Like, I would still, I would buy that book tomorrow if there was, like, a really good, like, not, like, I mean, I've seen this book, there's probably, I've seen some dad books. There was even a dad magazine um, floating around, and it was, uh, it was, like, it was, it was the craziest fucking thing, Jenny. It was, like, the dad magazine was, like, basically selling flannel 
and beer. Yeah, totally. And not in a not in a lumberjacky way, but in an artisanal Brooklyn sort of way. Um, and like it was like you know, and the articles were like you know, you know, were kind of this like these twee entries about like I haven't slept enough. And I'm like, nobody wants to read that. We really need some answers. Yeah. You know, like I'm going to say like not telling your daughter you're going to shoot her boyfriend is a really good thing not to do. Yeah. Danny, I think, like, I think you I mean, have I to write confronted. it. Yeah, maybe. Well, now look what you get. Now it's what you got me into. I'm and sorry. it's in public too. I know. <laughs> it's documented. Now you have to do it. Now the now it's in the universe. In fact, now there's a parallel universe where you've already written the book, and it's fucking amazing. <laughs> it's, it's already done. I mean, I, I, I think I think we need at least some resources because, like, look, I want to be the best father and husband I can be, right? The way I have done been the best whatever I can be is to go read books about things and look them up. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, look, if you want to, like, you know, get if you want to get like, you know, really mm-hmm. profound, like. You know, as I thought I would do, like, I'm going to look to Shakespeare for everything because he defines the human. You know, bad fathers and bad husbands. Mm-hmm. Like the only good marriage in Shakespeare is between the fucking Macbeth. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't work out very well. Not very um, well at all. You know, and all the parents are bad and there's jokes about hitting your kid. And like, it's like, it's just, it's like, it was, it's a different era at best of, of thinking about these things. And I'm like, well, what do you look to that? Like, what, like, the stuff I've always looked to for guidance on how to be in love and how to be a friend and how to be an artist and all these things that really matter to me. You know, there's, there isn't, like, there's a couple of songs and there's, like, you know, it's not even that, there's not even that many songs about being a father. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of songs about wanting love or sex. Mm-hmm. And there's just almost no songs about, like, having a kid. And, like, I mean, I don't know if you've heard... Uh, um, uh, Amanda Palmer's new record. Um, you should listen to it because it has really, a, like she's got a, I guess a three-year-old mm-hmm. and it is really about having this three-year-old Yeah. and how, and, and like the reality of that. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's more than that. And it's, 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 it's a really profound statement. I think this record, but like there's so many songs about being a parent and I'm like, I can't even imagine, I can't imagine a, man writing anything remotely like that i think i think um i don't know if you know who brother ali is he's this like brilliant hip-hop artist um albino guy i think he's out of minneapolis maybe um anyway who are you talking about his name's brother ali he's fucking brilliant danny actually Uh. that's what you need to do tonight is stop everything once we're done talking but stop everything and then listen to brother ali but um, I, I, he, I think he's rapped about becoming a parent and like how much his daughter means to him. And I, there are some rappers who I think have crossed that and it's, it's sort of a delicate dance because there's, I mean, brother Ali doesn't care about like the, the pomp and circumstance of, of rap, but it, some other rappers have, have talked about becoming a parent too. Um, yeah. But, but also some in the context of like, baby mama type of conversation. I really, I really, I mean, yeah, I I really think that, um, 
I think that you have a lot to offer the world. And I, I think, um, I think you would be cheating us if, if you didn't, because I think that you are the kind of father that a lot of fathers aspire to be and the thoughtfulness around, um, the relationship that you have with your daughter and the, um, the kindness and the compassion that I see you moving through the world, um, exhibiting with just about everybody, perhaps save yourself. I think that's the one person you miss out on sometimes on the compassion train. But um, I think there's so much that the world could gain by being inside your brain and your heart. Well, I mean, the the thing is, and truly the thing is, and I'm not saying no or that it's not worth it. I'm not, and I'm not even trying to punt. I promise. (laughs) But this all strikes me as being like this kind of common sense that once you've like, once you've settled down and like sort of let the cliches out, go out and let the even, even like your kind of first scared reaction, you know, and everybody has those reactions to things. Some of them are built in and, and baked in and some of them are, are old and some of them are just, you know, you know, obvious, mm. you know, and what, but once you've like let the cliches float away, once you've like given up the like, you know, ain't no, ain't no man good enough for my daughter. Mm. I'll be waiting with a shotgun kind of jokes, which are never funny. Mm-hmm. Once you like decide, once you like take a good hard look at that, it's all a bunch of real serious common sense, you know, like, Parenting, like, there's a lot of ways to do it right, and there's a few very, very obvious ways to do it wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, and those ways are so obvious. And it's not about, like, oh, did they have too much TV, or, you know, what's the, how much, like, did they have enough fruit versus carbs, or, you know, all the shit people really obsess about. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really obvious things never to do to your kid, or never to, never to say to your kid. Um, um, and they're and they're fairly straightforward. Like we don't even need to list them. Um, but, but and there's a million ways to do this right. So I'm saying this to you, Jenny, as your friend. Like when you think you're not doing this right, and your kid's crying, and you're freaked out, and <laughs> you're tired, and and like there's there's so many ways to do this right. And, and I remember when Clara was probably Elsie's age, and and she was she was crying. I couldn't get her to stop. Oh, the worst. And I talked to a friend of mine who has it. It's the worst. Because you're like, oh my God, have you pooped? Have you eaten? Have you felt comfortable? Is mm-hmm. it hot? Is it cold? <laughs> you know, like, there's like, there's only like six or seven reasons that they're crying. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's just that they're tired. Mm-hmm. Um, but even that, you you know, you like, you run down the list and you're like, why the fuck are you crying? I've gone down the list and everything seems like you shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And you're crying. And I remember she's crying and she's crying and I, I, and I finally, after like an hour of what struck me as just unnecessary crying, <laughs> she fell asleep. Mm. And, I, and I and I talked to a friend of mine who had a who has a kid who's like now twenty seven, so she was down this path a long time ago. And she said, "Danny, think about all the people that have to spend years in therapy, and you know have to really search their souls and really dig deep to figure out that their children that their parents." didn't love them 
And those are the people who actually have parents who don't love them. Mm. And it still takes those people like a whole long time. She's going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. That was the – I thought about that that sentence a lot in the in the moments where things were frustrating or, you know, you know, there's crying or there's unnecessary whatever. What things that feel like, why are you doing this? This is unnecessary. Yeah. And and you're maybe not even reacting your level best. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's something that I'm gonna carry with me, and especially thinking like parents generally like love their kids. They may not be great at showing it. They may not have the skills to. Um, to show up in a way that like expresses that. But even like people come in that my parents didn't love me. It's like, chances are they really did. They, they might not have known how to love you. And even yeah, that is they, such they a different were, thing. They were flawed, you know? No, 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 no parent is flawed. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I, I made a very conscious decision too, aside from not, you know, wanting to threaten her boyfriends. Yeah. was to like say, you know, this girl is never going to doubt it. I would rather say it too much and have her be a little annoyed because really that's fine. Yeah. Like I'm fine with her. And believe me, that's borne out. I'm fine with her sassing me. I'm fine with her being annoyed with me. If I'm, if I'm telling her I love her too much, and she goes like, dad, which we're there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, that's fine with me. That's completely fine. I will take that. I will absorb that particular heat. Yeah, because I want there to be like no, like I want her never to wonder. Yeah, she I want won't. her never to be, you know. And I felt like I feel like there's a um, there's a there's a there's a worry a lot of parents have that they are like, you know, they they need to like show them the hardness of the world by emulating it at home. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no man, that world is going to come at them no matter what you do. Agreed. Like, why why do you need to do that? too like why do they need like they'll figure that out and when you're, you're like look when when you like right now the morass of like her social interactions with her friend is is intense you know like girls as you know are awful you know young young girls can be wonderful can be awful like to each other can be really great. like and she's going through that and she's really going through it and it's really hurting her and I'm like, I'm so glad we didn't need to model this at home because totally. this is happening. Like, why would this need to happen at home? And I think there's this idea that, like, you know, if you're not, if you're if you're sparing your kid, uh, the giving them an example of how the world's going to be, then they're going to somehow be, go soft and be unable to manage. And I just think that is just the laziest way of viewing this. Yeah. You know, I think that's a way of people saying, like, I don't want to, this wasn't given to me. Mm-hmm. You know, therefore, why would I give it to them? Um, and I feel like if you can get past the what you didn't get. Yeah. And it's hard, you know, right? Because when you get, when you have a kid that's that age, you start getting to be that age. This is the fun part. This is the part nobody prepares you for. Is that when you get a kid who's like an age you start to remember. Yeah. You're gonna have to remember that age. I can't like I my brain explodes just thinking about her being like twelve and thirteen. I know, and and look, and there's a reason. There's a reason it takes a long time. Yeah. I think like there's a reason you don't remember everything that happens when you're two, and there's a reason for parents that that we don't remember everything that ha- like that by the time 
they're six and we can remember being six. We've been with it long enough and we've grown up ourselves enough with that. Like it, it, it's all sort of built in in a really pretty profoundly beautiful way, actually. Danny, but, Danny, what are you going to do if Clara accidentally pulls one of the fins off of a goldfish? Well, hopefully she'll tell me about it. Right. Like, that's the thing. Like, if she, if she comes home, like, I didn't even come home upset about it. I felt too bad about it. Totally. What would you do for her, I mean, though? I'm going to present. What would I do for her? I yeah. Would, you know, I would just laugh about it and say, it's you know, it's not your fault. You're a kid. What did you expect? Yeah. Like, you're not always in control of these situations, and how the fuck would you know? Yeah. You know, like that's that's what I'm gonna say to her. Like, and she's, she's crying. Off a goldfish or something. Yeah. Well, look, the fact that she feels safe enough to cry yeah. is good. By the way, yeah, I think that's great. If Agreed. she feels safe enough to like come home and tell me that, and and we're gonna work that through, I'm gonna ask her how she feels. I'm gonna say, why did that freak you out? I'm gonna ask all the questions you just asked me. You know, because yeah. like I said, I know enough about therapy to be a total asshole. <laughs> <laughs> So, so when that memory comes back for you, what do you need? Like, what does six-year-old Danny need? I mean, you know, I'm not even in search of absolution. What I need is is to let it go. Yeah. And like, look, you are so you are so profoundly good at that sentiment of like, you know, how do you how do you get through things? You let most of them go. You know, it's an action. Like even when I said. That's that's a, Even when I said I want to lose weight, you yeah. said don't lose weight, let the weight go. Yeah, otherwise you'll find it again. We always want to find things we lose. <laughs> I know, but I've, I, I've thought about that a lot. Like, I, you have no idea how many things you've said to me that you may not even remember saying, but like, I sort of hold up as like like neon touchstones in my brain. <laughs> Mistake number one, Danny Falsenfeld. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, Jenny. I'm not letting you have that one. Absolutely fucking. <gasps> no, that is that is. I mean, that that is the advantage of getting to like getting. Look, I listen to your podcast and I've read your book, and I'm like, I get to actually talk to this person anytime I want to, or reasonably, you know. Like this person is in my life. This is not a this is not a fiction. This is a fact of me, and that that makes me feel really good. Like, you know, I, I like hearing you. you talk to the. Sorry, I just adore you. Well, likewise, but hearing you talk to the people on your podcast who are, like, so honored to be in your presence or happy to meet you or have so much to say to you and everybody, and, and I, you know, you know I, I hope you look back, I hope you're able to go back and listen to all these episodes and be like, wow, these people really think I'm kind of awesome. I must be kind of awesome. Um, I, I do not listen to a single episode. Well, maybe, Confession. you know, maybe in... Maybe in years from now, if you're feeling a little blue, you know, put it on because everybody is happy to be there because of you. That's, it feels sweet, but you know what that feels like? It feels like rumination. Rumination? What's wrong with that? Rumination? It's just, it's, that's not right now. Like right now right. is the time that matters to me. Like this moment, being with you, being connected <clears throat> with you, like... If in the future I'm like I need to connect with Danny, I'm I don't want to 
to replay some conversation that we had like I'm going to call you and I'm going to be with you and like talk to you and like be connected with you at that point in time like yeah the memories are are delicious and um and and to some degree fulfilling but they're also not now you know and like right now now is when I have the opportunity to connect with you and you know, so going back over these podcasts, it just, it seems like, um, it seems like, it seems no different than like a, a form of rumination where I just am doing something that is not right now. And then, and then that gives me the opportunity to like critique myself and to critique and like, again, cherry pick, right? But like, if, if I am just present with you right now and then in the future I, I get to harken back to like oh you know what was so fulfilling for me it was like being present with Danny while we did the podcast <laughs> I'm gonna call him again then then that's another opportunity well, all I'm saying I'm I saying know. that if you ever need evidence of the the, the 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 weight and just the numbers of people who are just honored to know you you can go back and skim these podcasts or at least look at the titles and be like wow there's you know so many episodes of people who are just happy to do this. I love you. And thank you for saying that. And speaking of titles, so, so we are coming at, well, we're an hour and 13, if you can believe that we just talk and I, I get lost in, I just get lost in you. And, um, so th- I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I, was, I knew we weren't keeping it just it. Okay. So the way that this ends and, uh, uh, you likely know this, but um, end of every podcast, I have the the guest give some sort of I am statement. So whatever, whatever you are right now, it could be like some component of your identity. It could be like an emotion. It can be um, something that sort of captures this whole podcast, but some I am statement. You know, I want to say something that I almost never say. Mm. And I think this is, this is your doing in the best possible sense. I'm going to say I am present. Oh, Danny, I love it. I, I, sw- I swear that's how I feel. That's not me. That's not me, you know, coming up with the, 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 the oratory that's necessary for the moment. It's actually true. I appreciate that. I'm present with you, yeah, too. You're, you're, and I love it. You're just, you're, you're just one of these people I don't feel like I need to impress all the time. Good, because I would be I would be just devastated if you were doing some sort of like dog and pony show for me. No, this is this is not performative, man. <laughs> this oh, is this is it. This is it. This is what I want. This is this is this is sort of naked as I get. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love being naked with you on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is how rumors get started. Yeah, that's true. The good ones. Eat it up, opera world. Jenny and Danny naked on Wait, a I, podcast. I, 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 I want to tell you, a, I, want to, I, want to, I know we're running to a close, but I want anybody listening to know this particular story about, about you um, and about Elizabeth, my wife. Um, Who is going to be a guest on here at some point. I'm just putting that into the universe yeah, so that it happens. Happily. 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 <clears throat> um, but so Elizabeth and Jenny get along quite well. and They're not dissimilar people in a lot of ways. Um, and so when I first told her about 
project I wanted to do with you, and how I, and I'd already spoken to you once, or maybe emailed with you once, or you know. And I, I so I spent a lot, and I was like, I was a little nervous to tell her because I thought maybe she thinks I'm like trying to meet this porn star, <laughs> this former porn star, and maybe she's going to have some weird suspicions about that. Even though she's not a jealous type, nor does she need to be, and she's not a suspicious type, and this is one of the peak things about her. But even so this might have been pushing that. And so I told her all about you. I told her about the conversation we had and the emails we had and the project I wanted to do. And um, the first question she asked about you is, well, does she live here in New York? And I said, no, no, she lives in Seattle. I said, and she said, oh, because I, I was hoping she would babysit. <laughs> like she thought, just the way I talked about you and when, all the information I gave her about you, she's like, she's like, well, I want that person to babysit. I love that. And you know, so that's basically saying, will she come and stay, stay with the most precious thing, you know, and irreplaceable thing that we will ever have. You yeah, know? I love that. And, and I, I would have. So if you lived in New York, it. if you lived in New York, you'd probably be doing a lot of babysitting. Oh, and I would love it. And when you guys come out to Seattle, you have an entire guest suite downstairs to stay in now. And maybe you and Elizabeth will have to go out on a date night or something like that, and then Clara can hang with us. Fair enough. Fair enough. She loves your kid. Oh, good. Good. They're going to have a good time. I show together. her all the videos, and she, she's crazy about it. She's crazy about it. Oh, just a lie. She laughed really hard at the video with, uh, with the food over it. I thought it was blood. I thought that was funny. Oh, yeah. That was, that was our Ding Dong Fung night. demonic little... She's a demonic little gothic thing. Yeah, she is. Um, I still need to be part of her club. Um, I don't. I don't know if that. The spy, oh, you're in. Uh, the spike. Well, okay, I'm in. Okay, me? perfect. Yeah, you're totally in. Okay, good. Um, we'll Price have to. Be saying this on the air. We'll have to talk about what I can do to make sure that I am fully participating in this club. Um, but wrapping this up, I love you, Danny. Thank you so much. Um, do you have anything that I you want to publicize or? Is there? I know you. No. No. Okay. Well. No. I mean, like, not really. I mean, you know. Perfect. Nope. I got nothing. Okay. Good. Well, if you ever have something in the future, then you just have to do another podcast. That's how that'll work. Anytime. Thanks, Danny. Um, this has been I am a Jenny Ketchum podcast. Uh, thank you so much for listening. You can follow me on the Instagrams at becoming Jenny, or you can follow me on the Twitters at Jenny Ketchum where you can email me things, uh, words, uh, beautiful prose, uh, any of those things. You can email me at Jenny at JennyKetchum.com. I love you all. See you, listen to you, be with you next week. Happy Monday. Happy Monday.